nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you are in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. Hello, this is another Monday, and I am eager to start our show. Um, I just wanted to thank you all for joining us again. This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I am Leanne Meyer, and um, today we're going to be talking about doulas. I uh, just wanted to kind of reminisce here a little bit. I went into the nurse, into nursing for the usual reasons. I wanted to help people during the most critical and difficult times of their lives. And what could be more critical and difficult than having a baby? Once I saw my first delivery, I was hooked. I worked in a hospital because I thought that in this modern era, it was the safest place to do that, uh, to have a baby, basically. I have questioned that uh, that thinking many times in my career, but that's a whole other story, so I won't go off on that. Um, I wanted a regular paycheck. I had watched my father struggle in his um, uh, small-town jewelry store as a watchmaker my entire life, and I knew that that was very, very difficult to always be uh, looking for who's the next customer. So I was very sure I did not want to be an entrepreneur at that time. When I first came in contact uh, with doulas, it was long after I had stopped being a nurse. And they were doing their work for free. And knowing how difficult that work is, I thought they must be saints. I was amazed to come across Randy Patterson, who is my guest today, um, who does who not only does this work and makes money at it, but also teaches others to do the same. So the name of our show is Doulas. What was old is completely redefined. And I'm so happy to invite uh, Randy Patterson, CEO and founder of ProDoula.com to join us today. Hi, I'm so happy to be here with you. Great. So I'm wondering if you could give us just a little bit of background on how you came to be in this amazing position. Absolutely. And I'm so, it was just so interesting to hear you say, like, the last thing on earth you wanted to be was an entrepreneur. Yeah, <laughs> um, right. And I think that it is very scary to step into that world. I did not step into doula work or birth work as an entrepreneur. I have sort of a unique story in that um, I was I was basically... Um, I had children. My first daughter started school, kindergarten, and um, she wanted to be a Daisy Scout. And so we signed up to be Daisy Scouts. And there was a little girl in my Daisy Scout troop. And it turned out that her mother was a midwife, a certified nurse midwife who worked at a hospital and a freestanding birth center. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the year, she approached me and she said, you have taught these little girls so much about self-esteem and accountability and about what it means to be a girl and eventually a woman. She said, you must work with women in labor. And I said, you mean the kind of labor where a baby comes out of your vagina? (laughs) And she said, exactly. And she really pressured me and pushed me. And ultimately, I ended up becoming a birth assistant at a freestanding birth center on the grounds of our local hospital. 
mm-hmm. and um, and I fell in love with the work and later cross-trained as a perinatal technician on the OB unit, and then from there, ultimately went out and started my own business as a doula. But I had this really unique experience of learning about birth and about labor support from hospital-based midwives and nurses like yourself. So I, mm-hmm. I feel really fortunate in that that was the beginning for me. Yeah. So it really gave you a concept um, in, in some ways, I think, from a whole different realm, kind of like what I was saying. I'm not sure how those other doulas be, um, that I had met, um, how they got started. Because, you know, again, I just was so amazed that somebody would do this kind of work. I mean, it can be 15, 20 hours. You have no idea how long you're going to be with this person while they're in labor. And you have to be there and be alert and be, you know, um, thinking about their needs every minute of the time. And to do that for free was just beyond my comprehension. But why don't you give well, us a little more background? I think that's a great oh. point, And I always wonder... What exactly is the person getting out of it? Because we don't make the kind of sacrifice that it takes to do this work. I mean, we don't miss Christmas with our children, opening their gifts. We don't miss holidays. We don't miss back-to-school nights. We don't miss those things unless there's some payoff for us. Mm-hmm. And so my experience is that many, many women come into the work of being a doula because they maybe had a traumatic experience themselves in birth and they are either trying to protect others from what happened to them or what they feel, what their perception was of their birth, or they're working to avenge their own negative birth experience. And I think yeah. that those are not healthy reasons to come into mm-hmm. this work. Mm-hmm. I can see that. You know, I started um, in my first delivery that I saw was in uh, 1975 when I was a nursing student. And at that time, it was even questioned, why would would fathers want to be in the delivery room? And what what business was it of theirs to be in the delivery room? And we kind of um, were being taught to look askance at any any father who thought that was something they needed to be doing. And um, I kind of, you know, even at that time, I thought, well, that's really odd, isn't it? (laughs) And um, uh, so it was way back at that point. And then, you know, from there, we've come to the point where um, they started having birthing classes and moms and dads would go to the birthing classes. And what I found as an OB nurse is that at some point during the labor uh, and before the delivery, the mother would realize that her husband knew exactly what she knew and she knew almost nothing. So at some point she's like, get away from me. You know, I need okay. somebody who actually knows how to do this. And, you know, she's looking for that, that comforting support of a woman. And preferably yeah. a woman who's done this before. So, um, do you want to tell us a little bit about the history of doulas and how how did I know doulas have been around almost as long as there's been moms giving birth? So, sure, um, sure. I mean, I think that historically, in most cultures, um, you know, women turn to other women for mm-hmm. for birth support. Right? I mean, there's an amazing book called The Red Tent. If you haven't read it, and it really have really talks about how have you read it? I have not, and I will now. Oh, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. But really talks about how women just supported each other through mm-hmm. menses and through birth and through just becoming women. And mm-hmm. so I think, I think historically that's, that's where we're all rooted. I've been a doula for 22 years. And so I was a doula when we had pagers and 
um, mm-hmm. you know, clients would text us or page us and we'd have to run and find a pay phone. Yes. And uh, boy, technology has made this whole doula thing much, much easier. But, um, but, you know, without access to the internet, you just didn't know what other doulas were doing. So yeah. I live in New York. It's pretty unrealistic in New York to um, work for free. It costs mm-hmm. a lot of money to live here. And, um, you know, my husband and I had a young family and I learned quickly that I could do labor support and postpartum support, specifically overnight postpartum support, and I wouldn't have to pay for childcare. My husband worked during the day and Mm -hmm. I primarily worked postpartum shifts for clients overnight after attending their births and helped Mm -hmm. them with lactation and help them process their birth experience and all of those things. But it was unbeknownst to me that other doulas were behaving in some other way. I mean, Mm. without online groups and access to that, how would you know? Mm -hmm. And um, in 2009, I went to a doula conference in Georgia and I found out that there weren't any doulas that have really made a business at this work at the conference. Um, I would say to people like, how many births are you taking a month? Well, I did two last year. And I'm like, (laughs) two clients? How on earth could you, uh, do you have a full-time job also? You know, like it just didn't make sense Mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. And um, I I guess I learned that most of the people that were doing this were doing it as sort of more of a hobby than a professional role. And I was, I was a bit dumbfounded by that, if I'm being honest, um, you know, I started as an, you know, as a perinatal technician and became a doula and built a reputation for myself and had to bring on some other doulas to handle the client load and eventually opened an agency and formed a partnership with another doula and we grew a really busy, fulfilling, rewarding doula agency here in New York. Wow. And so to find out that other people were struggling and didn't even know how to get started as an entrepreneur, um, Mm -hmm. I thought, well, boy, we've got to fix this or these doulas aren't going to be able to do this for much longer. Mm -hmm. And and that's where ProDoula came in. It was, okay, wait a second. Doulas are burning bridges in hospitals. Doulas are being confrontational. Doulas are pulling clients off of machines that are monitoring them. Mm. Doulas are really causing some conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not, they're not behaving professionally in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, doulas really have the ability to help improve a, a mother's overall experience and perception of their birth. But we've got to sit at the decision-making table with mm-hmm. nurse managers and hospital administrators. We've got to be able to, like bring what we bring to the table, not just to the client. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we've worked really hard to do that. And, and I really, I have seen tremendous change in our industry and I love it. I'm so excited about it. And it sounds like you have really been sort of that pioneer that got out there and, and made it happen. So I'm curious, when you went from working, you know, you didn't know anything about uh, birth and a baby and then this uh, midwife had brought you in, and so you started to train and do that kind of work. But how did you know how to run a business? That's a whole different set of, of um, abilities and gifts. Yeah, well, and that's a great question. You know, um, 
I come from a long line of entrepreneurs. No, you know what I should say? I come from a long line of people who, um, who are so committed to what they're passionate about that they turn it into a business. Mm-hmm. And um, I watched my aunt and uncle do exactly that as I was growing up. It's kind of funny that I would bring this, that I would talk about this today in particular. Um, my uncle actually discovered the band Metallica. And um, he fell in love with this band and he brought them from California to New Jersey and he became their manager and he opened a record label to support their first two albums. And, um, you know, I watched him just instill his passion for this music and this band into this enormous platform. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's funny that I talk about this tonight because Metallica is actually playing in New York tonight and I'm going to go see them. <laughs> but um, just on a funny aside. But, I, you know, I watched people who were truly passionate um, turn it into a stream of revenue so that they were able to do this work sustainably mm-hmm. and for a long time. Well, for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, the Internet is a really tremendous thing. And I knew that the first step was to make it a legal business. And I knew that that meant um, having some sort of a business model, an LLC, uh, an S-Corp. And I did some research and decided on an LLC and opening a separate bank account and getting liability insurance. And I don't know how I knew some of these things. And um, I I just knew them. And when I didn't know them, I sought out wise counsel, someone who did know. And I listened to their, I took their advice and, you know, it was just one foot in front of the other, one step at a Mm -hmm. time. And I certainly made some mistakes along the way that I had to go back and fix up, but it's been a long time now. And I think, I don't know, I think historically women are more risk adverse than men are. And that holds us back in a lot of cases. And I think we just need another woman whispering in our ear, just like a doula would. You can do this. You can do this. Well, that's exactly what I'm that. looking for is, is a doula whispering in my ear saying, you can sell yourself. So um, right. we're actually quite early on a break, but your your line is breaking up a little bit. And I'm thinking maybe oh. we can uh, make it better. So okay. I'm going to take us on a break. If you're just um, tuning in, this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer. I'm here today with Randy Patterson, who is the CEO and founder of ProDoula.com. And I am really excited to continue this conversation about a, a kind of an unseen work that she is bringing to the fore and um, making a business. So we will be back in just a couple minutes. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. 
Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. If you like what you're hearing on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, consider supporting the show. In the one year since the show started, we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7,900% and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting. Whether you are looking to reach a regional, national, or worldwide audience, you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. It's the perfect platform. Contact Senior Executive Producer Tacey Trump today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Hi, this is Leanne Meyer, and we are back on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. And I am really excited to welcome uh, Randy Patterson. She is a CEO and founder of ProDoula.com. And as many of you know, um, OB is my background and my love of uh, absolutely as being a nurse. I worked hard to be able to get into that uh, area and then just absolutely love being there. One of the things uh, I never experienced having doulas in the work that I was doing in the hospital that I was working, but um, at a point toward the end of my career, um, we were starting to have midwives come in. And there was uh, a lot of, you know, kind of looking at each other askance of, are you going to take away my job? Are you going to take away what I love to do? And I'm wondering if that is something that happens also with the doulas. And if so, if you could talk about that a little. Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think um, I don't know. I know a lot of nurses, and I don't know a single nurse who um, came into this work because they love to chart or they love <laughs> electronic medical records. Yeah. I believe that every single person that I know who became a nurse did it because they love people and they love to care for people. And I think. Unfortunately, as nurses, you guys have so much on your plates when it comes to recording what's happening that it, it disables you from being able to give your patients 
the amount of care and compassionate support that you probably want to. Um, and then in comes this doula who, you know, the client, the patient is looking at the doula like, what do you think? What do you think? And um, yeah. I think that that can have a really um, unsettling impact on the nurse who is like, wait, this is my patient. I'm going to take care of this woman. I'm going to be her source of education and support while she's here. But now she's got this extra person. And uh-huh. I'm not sure what kind of background this extra person has. I'm not sure if this extra person um, is, is trying to work through their own traumatic birth experience or if they're truly focused on what's going on for this patient. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if this person is coming from an evidence-based position or some variation of a philosophy. You know, so I think mm-hmm. there's all of these things going on. In our doula trainings, one of the one of the things that we focus on when we talk about birth in the hospital is, I say to people, here's the thing, you guys. Nurses work 12-hour shifts. They work typically four days one week, three days the next week, four days the next week. They're at that hospital, in many cases, more often than they're in their own home. No nurse mm-hmm. leaves OB. People who do OB stay in OB forever. So I want you guys to think about it. I say this to new doulas. I want you to think about it like you are walking into a nurse's home. Mm -hmm. And when you walk into her home, you have to treat the nurse as if she is the hostess and you have to be respectful of her and you have to recognize why she became a nurse. You have to be conscientious of the fact that the nurse needs to bond with the patient so that the patient feels an amount, a level of safety. And we can't interfere with that. We've got to be part of the team, not the captain of the team. Right. And I think that that's a message that other doulas who don't train through pro doula don't necessarily get. Mm-hmm. But I think yeah. that if we're really focused on collaborative care, then we have to collaborate. When I took my original doula training, I was told these words specifically, never speak to the provider. Never speak <gasps> to the provider. And I thought... Well, the provider's going to think I don't like them if I don't speak yeah. to them. I've got to, be, I've got to be cordial and respectful, and I have to introduce myself, and I have to introduce my role. And so that's the way I always practiced, and then I sort of like stepped into the world of other doulas, and I thought, oh my goodness, we, this is a crisis situation. Doulas are being kicked out of hospitals. I mean... Mm-hmm. You know, we've got to, and I, and I teach all doulas this, the client may hire you, but you are a guest in that hospital. And ultimately, the hospital can decide whether or not you get to stay or you have to leave. Now, how are you going to say to your client in labor, okay, I've just behaved in a way that made the nurse call security and have me removed. So now you don't have a doula, and doulas are no longer welcome in this facility. Yeah. You know, worst case scenario, in the midst of delivery, you've got a mother and probably father, too, trying to um, uh, be the go-between of two angry people who are not focused on you, which is what they're they're both supposed to be doing, but focused on uh, um, being angry with each other. Uh, Yeah, and that doesn't happen every time, but, but, you mm -hmm. know, doulas have a bad reputation, Um, You know, doulas have behaved in very unprofessional ways, in very professional settings. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I say, think that it's say more about for, that. Say more about that. That, that. that sounds like kind of a stereotype or that that is uh, something that happened for a while and then people didn't want to give them a chance again. Is that what happened? Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. Um, you know, ProDoula recently acquired American Nurse Association CEUs for our programs, for our, all of our in-person trainings. And there are mm-hmm. a lot of um, particularly OB nurses who want to really understand what the role of a doula is. And now they can take our trainings and acquire 17 CEUs while doing so. So that's, mm-hmm. um, that's a huge benefit to both doulas and nurses. And the reason mm-hmm. we did it is because I truly believe that inside every labor and delivery nurse is a doula. Yes. <laughs> they just don't fully that's understand true. the role. And they've seen doulas practice in scope, out of scope. They're not even sure what scope is anymore. So we felt like it was really important that we acquire CEUs for our programs so that when nurses invested in learning with us, it benefited them professionally as well. Mm -hmm. And it really gave them some insight into what should I expect when a doula walks into the room. And Mm -hmm. if a doula walks into the room and behaves in a way that is different than what they have now learned is a standard of professionalism and scope of practice, then Mm -hmm. that doula, I don't know, I kind of feel like doula should have to sign in at hospitals. Hospitals should know Mm -hmm. who the doula is. Are they certified? Are they trained? Who have they taken a training with? Does that training organization have a grievance policy in place? Is there a point of accountability? And if there isn't, I think that that person shouldn't necessarily be able to practice in that hospital. Yeah, yeah, that and to have that um, connection of trust with with the hospital, so the the OB floor, the nurses on that OB floor can feel welcoming of this person coming right. in because they they know that they're going to have somebody who's going to help support. So you know, more support for the patient, which is always wonderful, rather than putting any kind of tension or conflict going on. That's the last thing a mother needs to have in labor. And there's enough things going on that are unpredictable for the nurse. She doesn't yeah. need the unpredictability of, you know, what, what could potentially happen with this doula. So I mm-hmm. think, but there's a lot of doulas who don't think that's a good idea. You know, um, I don't come without controversy, my friends. Um, oh. You know, I think yeah. a lot of doulas, they don't want to necessarily practice by a set of standards. They uh-huh. want to support their client and whatever they feel is... Um, in the client's best interest and aren't necessarily concerned about our industry or the industry of birth as a whole. Yeah, or more um, important to the safety of the baby um, over whatever it is that they want to do. So tell me, um, you know, as you're training your doulas... I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, go. was there another piece there? I just wanted to add one more thing to it. Um, You know, something that I say often is that Uh, Doctors, midwives, and nurses are responsible for healthy mother and healthy baby. And doulas can can be partly responsible for healthy minds and healthy bonds. And if the doctor, nurse, midwife is taking care and making sure that the mother and the baby are healthy, and the doula is working to make sure that the mother's mind is healthy after this birth and that her bond with herself, her partner, and her baby are intact, this is an amazing experience. 
But we've got to work together in order to make that happen. And I always like to add the father in, too. And sometimes there'll be a child that's in the room. And, um, you know, the family unit, you know, you really want to be able to have that where uh, everyone in the family feels a part of this birth and feels a bond to this child because uh, you can create a problem later on if that isn't the case. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. But uh, tell me what, um, well, first of all, who can be a doula? Well, anybody can be a doula. There's no prerequisite. Um, the way you get started is it starts with a training, and there's lots of options for trainings. I believe that um, a labor support training should be an in-person training, that you should be mm-hmm. in the space of other people in, mm-hmm. you know, labor support is about attunement. And so while there are online programs for doulas, I believe that we really need to be in the same space and we need to talk about touch and we need to talk about communication styles and we need to really learn how to attune to other human beings. And I don't see exactly. how you can do that in an online program. So our program is a two-day, 20-hour in-person workshop. Um, day one is primarily about communication styles, attunement. It's about anatomy. It's about the physical changes that take place. It's about, um, you know, those types of things. And on, on day two is where we kind of like break into partners and we work together on positions and comfort measures Mm -hmm. and what's happening in the body and the pelvis when our body moves into this particular position and how to ease the discomfort of contractions and how to kind of help pull somebody back when they start to feel like they're losing control. So it's a combination of book work and those comfort measures. And of course, we talk about interventions and the benefits Mm -hmm. and risks to everything that may be introduced. Right. So it begins with this training. And um, from there, we have a pretty intense, comprehensive, open book exam that requires a whole bunch of research. There's mm-hmm. some essays that have to be written. Um, and, the, and the candidate for certification also has to support three clients and get evaluation forms from those clients. So it's a right. pretty intense process. Yeah. But it starts with that in-person workshop. Fantastic. And do you do just trainings in New York? That's a great question. We're actually an international organization. So we facilitate, um, we facilitate doula trainings all over the United States, Canada, Ireland. Um, we really, I mean, we, we go wherever someone wants to take one of our programs. Wow. So that keeps you running a lot. Well, I have a great team of about 20 other women who are doula trainers as well, and they Mm -hmm. facilitate trainings all over the place, too. So I don't actually do as many trainings as I used to, although I'm excited at the end of this month, I'll be, uh, or at the end of mid-November, I'll be facilitating a labor support training in Las Vegas, Nevada. So I'm super excited about that. Oh, well, that sounds exciting. Yeah, it's a good place to go. uh, You've got to go somewhere, right? Tell me about some of the things that you do teach on that second day about support and interventions and comfort measures, because I think so many times, especially fathers, want to help, want to be um, comforting to their their wife or their um, partner, and they don't know how. And sometimes the nurses aren't very good at teaching them. So what are some of the things that you do? 
Well, I'll start by saying that uh, my children are 26 and 22. And 26 years ago, I lived in Oceanside, California, and I was pregnant, and I took a childbirth class. We took a Lamaze class, my husband and I, and um, it was, I don't know, maybe a three- or four-week series, and Mm -hmm. each week we went, and we brought our pillows, and we did all kinds of wonderful things. And the thing I remember most is that on the last week, we had a potluck dinner, and I made sausage and peppers. This is what I remember Ooh, from my last okay. class. Okay? So, fast forward. Um, my water breaks. I go into labor, kind of. Um, I need some Pitocin because I'm not having contractions. And mm-hmm. it's 26 years ago, and I'm flat on my back in bed, and yes. I'm on Pitocin. And I'm pretty uncomfortable, <sighs> but I'm managing and it starts to get more and more and more and more difficult. My husband remembers one thing from Lamaze. He remembers he, 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 who. Mm-hmm. And he does this, oh, I don't know, for like four hours before I'm like, don't ever say that to me again. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and I remember as this labor progressed, there was a moment where he climbed on the bed and he hovered over me. And with tears in his eyes, he looked at me and said, you are breaking my heart. What can I do for you? Mm. And I'll tell you, Leanne, for a moment, I felt like Rocky, like bump, 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 like we can do this. And 10 minutes later, I was screaming, get me an epidural. Mm -hmm. Um, We took a childbirth class, but we were ill-prepared. And we were ill-prepared because it was new information to us, and we didn't have the ability to reach into our minds in the throes of labor exactly. and pull out that information. We took a great class. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she taught us great things, but yep. we didn't have the capacity to go find it in our minds in those moments exactly. and utilize it. I remember so one patient that, that I had early in my career of nurse, in OB nursing, and uh, I think it was the Lamaze class that she had taken, and they brought their book with them, and, you know, they're trying to go through the book as they're going through labor, and of course, it, you know, it's like, forget it, just let it go, and, you know, go with the, the natural aspect of it, and listen to yourself, but at one point, she just got so frustrated, and she, she picked up the book and threw it across the room and said, they said it wasn't going to hurt, and that was at the point when, when they were using other words, you know, to not talk about pain and you know you'll feel pressure and this hurts it's not pressure (laughs) so uh some of those things we think we're doing to help people out is not actually very helpful because it gives them a false idea of what exactly they're going to experience and so when they experience the reality they think something's wrong yes yes you're right you're so right you know what i find about labor and what i find with clients in labor is that um, as, as our body labors, if we're able to stay on top mm-hmm. of the pain instead of getting under it where it's like a tidal wave that comes over right. us, then we can mm-hmm. manage it. And yeah. I, think sometimes, I think sometimes the language that's given to us in labor from a nurse is, okay, okay, this, this one's going to be gone, let it go. But... But sometimes we need like a real strategy. So mm-hmm. it may be a position. It may be taking the partner's hand and placing it on the low back and mm-hmm. teaching them how oh. to apply a consistent. Hello? 
You are a woman after my own heart. That's exactly what I used to do. I would find exactly the right spot, and then I'd move the guy over and put put his hand right where I was in it and say, listen to her. She'll tell you if it feels good or not, push in or, you know, release it. And um, here I thought I figured that that out on my own. And allow her to use her body to push against the pressure to get the amount of pressure that she wants. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, Leanne, but when my husband, like, does a massage, he just kind of rubs in the same area until my skin yes. feels like it died and it's going <laughs> to fall off. There's yes. something about the way a woman knows how to touch that's uh-huh. a little bit different. But we are able to really help the partner and, and kind of put them in the right position. Um, yes. You know, my husband is never going to learn how to do a hip squeeze or how to uh, apply counter pressure exactly the way I need it or mm-hmm. position me in a way that, you know, mm-hmm. takes the takes the pain off my back and moves it a little bit. Right. That and even if he not, did, it was four years before you had another child. He would, he would have been right back to exactly. um, trying to figure it out again. Yes. Yes. So, mm-hmm. I mean... Can you have a baby without a doula? Absolutely. I get it. Mm -hmm. I mean, many, Mm -hmm. many, many people have babies without doulas, and and we do okay. Um, I think think a doula has the ability to really elevate the birth experience for the family. And I think that when we work collaboratively with providers and nurses, we're able to really enhance someone's experience. I agree. Let's take a break here, and um, we'll come back in a couple of minutes. This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. If you're just joining me, this is Leanne Meyer, and I'm here with uh, Randy Patterson, who has her own company. She is the CEO and founder of ProDoula.com, and uh, she is definitely somebody I would want to have in my uh, labor and delivery. So we're going to be back in just a couple of minutes, and we're going to talk some more about this um, aspect. Of, of care for the for a mother in labor. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. If you like what you're hearing on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, consider supporting the show. In the one year since the show started, we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7,900% and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting. Whether you are looking to reach a regional, national, or worldwide audience, you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. It's the perfect platform. Contact senior executive producer Tacey Trump today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. 
For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. We are back, and thank you for staying with us or even just joining us now. This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer, and we're talking today, uh, the uh, topic title is Doulas, What Was Old is Completely Redefined. And I'm here with Randy Patterson, who is not only um, a doula, but she also owns a business called ProDoula.com. And um, she has been talking with us about uh, a lot of things as, uh, as far as collaboration. And uh, one of the things I was thinking of, um, uh, OB nurses kind of had a, have a saying or had a saying, maybe they don't still have it. The, pa- the longer the patient's wish list of how they want their birth to go, the more likely they're going to have a C-section. And our reasoning was because the more rigidly they wanted to stick to this is my dream, this is what it has to be, um, you know, life and bodies particularly just don't go according to our plan. And uh, sometimes we, we really have to be able to be flexible um, in the birth area and um, go with what's, what's happening at the time. So uh, what are your thoughts about that? You know, it's so funny you say that. Um... I, for years, I have said closed mind, closed cervix. Open mm. mind, open cervix. Exactly. Um, but, but I do kind of want to address that point a little bit because um, I know that as a doula, I have heard that from nurses too. And I know lots of doulas have heard that like, oh, here she comes with her doula and her birth plan and her birth ball, like she's going to be bouncing that ball right into the OR for a C-section. <laughs> and, um, and while I know it's sort of like a joke that the nurses make, and I, I know I'm, I can imagine they don't wish that on patients. No, not at um, all. I, you know, I think we all have to come to a level of understanding, like why does somebody have such a strong philosophy about birth that they want to 
that they want to control it and what's going on for that person and how can we help that person, um, you know, come to a place where they're able to let go. I mean, we know that we know that fear produces mm-hmm. adrenaline and adrenaline is counterproductive to the flow of oxytocin. So if somebody mm-hmm. is holding on to something fearfully, then it's going to inhibit this labor. And I think that's one of the places where like the doula kind of comes in and goes, okay, I understand that you have a philosophy about birth and like, I appreciate why you want this experience. That makes sense to me. Like, but we've got to be able to like all get on the same page and get Mm -hmm. in this patient's head to help her be able to release and let go and shut down any adrenaline that could be inhibiting the oxytocin release and help her feel safe and nurtured and comfortable so that her body can labor like the animal in the forest in the dark night under a tree. You know, when that animal senses danger, they release adrenaline, it's fight or flight, they get up, they run, the labor shuts down while they do that, and until Mm -hmm. they feel safe again, their body doesn't truly go back into labor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. I've actually seen that happen with women, um, particularly, uh, I remember among women where, you know, men are not allowed to be in the... Uh, laboring areas. So doctors who are male, I remember one woman who he had to uh, kind of direct the the delivery from the door because the woman wouldn't let him in and she literally shut down her labor uh, until he was agreeable to stay out of the room. Uh, so I can see that happening. I also yeah, can see absolutely. that that being that doula being able to be right there with her listening to every you know, fear, every thought, you know, right there listening and and, um, addressing each of the things going on for her would be so comforting. And and I think that must be one of the best things that doulas can do because nurses have to come and go. They've got two or three patients. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you say that because that is probably the strongest role that we play as doulas. Mm-hmm. But now let's think about it as an entrepreneur. How do you sell that service? That that mm-hmm. poses a challenge. How do I say to a pregnant couple, like, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm actually going to, like, listen to how you're feeling. Yes. <laughs> you know, that kind of seems silly, like, yeah. oh, my husband's going to listen to how I'm feeling and my nurse is going to. But the doula is going to ask that patient or client, in our case, thought-provoking questions to kind of help draw out what's going on for her. And as a nurse, I can imagine you would love to do that, but you simply don't have time to do that while you're taking care of more than one patient and you have to record absolutely every single thing that happens. Exactly. And that, again, is why we, we so strongly have to work together and collaborate. Yeah, with the patient and the outcome that everybody wants, you know, everybody wants a beautiful, you know, uh, trusting. I was thinking also, you know, so many times um, people will bring in their mother or their mother-in-law, their sister or something like that. And I think that has its own difficulties in that there's a family relationship. And so any unresolved things, you know, come come up in a time like that, where all of a sudden they're arguing with one another, you know, um, not able to just, you know, particularly the mother, the sister is having a hard time just letting go and letting this person be the center of attention. That's um, right. That's right. How many times are you working with someone in labor and their mom is in the room and their mom just mm-hmm. wants to tell you all about their labor 
And you kind of want to be like, okay, but we're really focused on the person who's actually in labor right now. Yes. Her dream moment is now. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. And and you're right. That does happen a lot. Um, Yeah. Uh, I had another thought, and I, oh, I was thinking you had talked about holding on, that if there's something bothering a mother, that um, the cervix won't open. And I remember, you know, learning that over a period of time, too, where um, I would finally get to the point, you know, they'd be so close to delivery, and it was like they just couldn't quite get there. And I remember starting to say, is there anything that's on your mind, anything that's, you know holding your back and sometimes it would be an argument with the husband sometimes it would be um you know just some different little fears but i remember particularly it it, for several women quite a few women as i think about it the idea of giving that baby to the world was like they had had that baby all to themselves for nine months completely they could imagine whatever they wanted to about this child was the perfect child was going to grow up to be you know the most magnificent person in the world solve all the problems you know whatever it was that she wanted to think about this child and so releasing that baby into the world to be who that baby actually was many women really had a hard time doing that it was it, it was just i'm not ready to share mm-hmm Yeah, I I agree. I couldn't agree more. In fact, I think there's another level to it. I think that for a lot of us, it's it's such a huge transition from woman Mm -hmm. to mother. And for Mm -hmm. some of us, I think mentally and subconsciously, we know that when we push that baby out, we let Mm -hmm. go of part of who we were and we become something entirely different. And that that is probably the most enormous transition a human being ever can make. And no one addresses it. We're just like, okay, here's your baby. You're now the mom. (laughs) And I think that there is, um, I think that there's some pretty heavy stuff going on for a mom during that time or or as a woman makes that transition. And I know that I have been a tremendous support to my clients during that transition, even just having conversations about it and talking about who they were in their 20s and who they are now and what they see themselves as. A mother, what, what do you look like as, as somebody's mother? What did your mother look like? Is that something Human. you want to emulate or is that something you want to stay far away from? Right, right, and make your own There's mistakes. There's so much to consider. Um, um, you had mentioned, you know, that a doula is not just there for the labor and delivery and then, oops, goodbye, I'm gone, but actually for postpartum also. So yeah, talk a little absolutely. bit about that, um, what the role yeah. is there. And you started into that, I think, right here. Sure. Oh, I would love to. So uh, we also have a postpartum and infant care doula training that also has been awarded 17 American Nurse Association CEUs. Um, it is a program that really focuses on um, the, the mother's recovery from giving birth and the baby's adjustment to life on the outside of the body. And then so, so, so much more. Um, we really address that transition, the transition that the woman makes. You know, I think we think about the postpartum period as like this cute little six-week period that people are tired and it's difficult, but this is a huge process. This is a huge, long, difficult process. Um, For our clients who choose to breastfeed, that comes with a whole set of challenges, as I'm sure you know. Um, It certainly um, 
is more encompassing than just a matter of like getting the baby to the breast, but there's so much more going on at that time. Um, there's family and friends coming over to see the baby. They just want to hold the baby. They're not really there to understand what this experience has been for you. Um, you know, we have, we have postpartum mental health issues in epidemic, epidemic numbers that are mm. no one even talks about. There's such a stigma about postpartum depression and the blues and, you know, the other signs and symptoms that go with uh, postpartum depression and OCD and postpartum psychosis, and no one talks about it. No one talks about it because if they do, they're afraid someone will take their baby from them. So there's all these cases that go undiagnosed and women are suffering and they've built a bond with their doula and they feel safe with their doula and they feel like it's safe to get vulnerable with a doula. And in many cases, the doula is who hears that news for the first time that a mom had an intrusive thought of harming her baby or a mom feels like she made a terrible mistake in even having a baby. You know, Randy, we may have to have you come back and talk about this subject specifically. We have two minutes left, if you can believe it. Um, So is there something you specifically for nurses want to make sure that all nurses know something you'd really like to get out there uh, to help nurses, help mothers, help doulas along the way? Absolutely, yes. You know, we've worked really hard to get these CEUs for nurses, for nurse professionals, and we did it because we can't stress enough how important it is for nurses, OB nurses, to understand the level of education that the doula has. And again, I said earlier, I believe that inside every labor and delivery nurse, every maternity nurse, there is a doula waiting to get out. And I just want to encourage all of your listeners to really be thinking about they're going to need CEUs. What are they going to do with them? I think that um, a doula training is a, a great place to put that energy because it's going to benefit their patients. It's going to give them some new tools and some new information and new strategies for bringing more comfort and compassion to the patients that they're taking care of. I'd love to have you in one of my trainings, Leanne. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's absolutely a love of mine. Uh, you know, like I said, from my first delivery, I knew that was what I loved. And it took me years to be able to get into it. Um, at that time, you know, like I said, people were not leaving OB and they weren't training new people to come in. So um, I do would really very much like to have you back on and maybe talk from that standpoint of what what if things aren't going so well? What if things aren't going smoothly? And, you know, the baby is born, you're exhausted, and you're not feeling any kind of bond to the baby. So we'll have to talk about that um, uh, maybe a little bit later and and, uh, see if we can figure out something with that. But this has been so much fun. I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed it. And uh, I'm so happy you were able to come on. So, um, yeah, just thank you so much. So this has been uh, the show we've been talking about doulas. What was old is completely redefined. And I think Randy has just opened up an entire new way of looking at all kinds of collaborations with the, the doula and the family, the family doula and the nurses. And all of that is good news to me. So thank you all for listening. Uh, I hope you will be back with us again next week. 
And uh, this is Leanne Meyer with Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.